Well, good morning. My name is my name is Spencer Thomas. I'm happy to be here. Um, I'm excited. I think that um, you know I'm reminded in the book we're going to talk about Psalm 91 today, and um, it reminds me in the Psalms. That there's um, one verse that David is writing this song, and he's talking about how he's excited to spend time with God, and it says that he wakes up early to spend time with the Lord. And as I was reading that and learning about it and learning what does this mean, um, it's not. it doesn't mean that David liked to go to uh, the 8.30 service. <laughs> what it... What it's the spirit of him saying, I wake, I rise early and I wake to meet you uh, is like when you're going on a trip, you know, maybe you're going on a vacation, maybe you're going to do something. For me, it's always fishing, a fishing trip. That's the thing for me. And so um, the night before you're with your buddies and you're tying knots and getting all your gear ready and then you, you get all your stuff ready, but you're still so excited. You're not ready to go to sleep yet. So you start working on other stuff that has nothing to do with what you need. And then you end up overpacking when you go on the boat. Um, <clears throat> and when you're, when it, it's finally way, way later than what it's supposed to be. And I lay down in bed. I'm not quick to find rest because of how excited I am for what's happening in the morning. And I toss and I turn in my bunk. And then I'll, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and you, you're like, oh, man, I wonder what time it is. So I finally fall asleep and then I wake up and it's still dark outside. And I know we're going to leave early in the morning, so we're going to leave when it's dark. So I think to myself, I wonder what time it is. And you look at the watch and you go, it's 11.45. <laughs> and you're like, okay, got to go back to sleep. And so you go back to sleep and you wake up again. 12.05. <laughs> and so that's kind of how the night goes for me. Because I'm so excited about what's happening. And then eventually I wake up. You know, So let's say 5 o'clock is the real wake up time. I wake up at 4.15, 4.20, When I'm in that ballpark, at a certain point I say, I'm not going back to sleep. I'm ready. I want the day to start. That's the spirit of when King David wrote down, I wake up early to be with you, God. Isn't that special? I can't remember the last time I did that. I can't remember the last time I did that. And I know it's so easy in church we catch ourselves going through the motions, right? Um, we, we're too easy to find, our sale, to find ourselves alongside complacency because we've been doing it for years, for dozens of years. Wake up, put on your nice clothes, go to church, put on your happy face, right? Parents, you're in the car yelling at your kids. <laughs> and then you get into the church parking lot and you're like, not everyone, smile. <laughs> right? Like we, we end up just going through the motions. I, th- I believe there's more to living in a faith community than those motions. Amen? 
And I think that, that there's some, David, King David is on to something. Having a heart after God's own heart. That he's so excited about what God's doing. And he's so excited about the presence of God. Like, what are you going to do? I can't go back to sleep. I'm too excited. It seems just like yesterday you led the Hebrews out of Egypt and turned an ocean into a highway. It wasn't too long ago that the walls of Jericho were torn down. You even had someone swallowed by a fish, God. I wonder what you're going to do today. I'm so excited. God, you even put on flesh and blood and came into my world And you bought back what was already yours. You conquered the grave. I'm so excited about what you're doing. It's difficult to go to sleep at night. That's where I want to be. Say amen if you want to be there as well. All right, Lord God, we pray that you would bring us to that place. Amen. Psalm 91 says uh he that dwell I did this in the I did this in the King James because I think it sounds cool. Um he that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and him will I trust. This is the word of the Lord. Mm, he that dwelleth. You know, I, I love the Psalms. I love that the Psalms, they'll take us on an adventure a lot of the times. Um, they, these, these songs that are written, they tell stories of God's character and nature and deep, deep love for his people, for our people, for us. And, um, in Psalm like 22, it starts off, um, it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so like when Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's quoting scripture. And if you go after the service and you read that Psalm, it starts off where David has written this song and it starts off with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm surrounded on all sides and the light in my world grows dim will my enemies overcome me and it's kind of it starts off well over here but by the end of the psalm david is rejoicing and praising god for his victory for that god is faithful and he never knows defeat he's known victory on everything he's pursued and so in this psalm, it takes us on a journey as well. And if you read down to verse 15, it says, The Lord says, when they call on me, I will answer. Isn't that good to have a heavenly father that answers when we call on him? And um, But scripture can be kind of tricky sometimes because um, it, it seems almost at first to sometimes contradict itself. Right? And so I had a great talk with Monica one day. We were talking about scripture and reading. And we talked about how scripture sometimes is confusing and it contradicts itself. But it's not your home computer. Okay. 
when you are on the computer, maybe it was during the pandemic, maybe it was you're trying to search your email, I don't know. And it's not doing what you want to. And you take the mouse and you kind of hit it on the desk and you go, the computer's broken. (laughs) You may or may not be right. But when scripture seems to contradict itself, we must assume the posture and the, the point of view that scripture is not wrong. I'm missing something. There's something, I, there's a component that I'm not grasping. There's something I don't understand. God, I'm calling on you. Whether it's right now, in the next minute, in the next year, or whenever. God, I want to know your word. Would you reveal it to me? Right? Like that should be our response. And so in verse 15 of this psalm, it says, The Lord says, when they call on me, I will answer. Um, but then in the Gospels, we're going to be hopping back and forth to the Gospels. In the Gospel, in, the, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is in, the, is in the, he's doing the Sermon on the Mount. And he's talking about how some people will call me, Lord, Lord. But they won't go into the kingdom of heaven with me. They'll call me Lord. But they won't make me the Lord of their life. Jesus is giving a, uh, it seems as if he's giving a commentary on people. And so when children, I think we're supposed to call out. Being children of God, we call out. And if we got a couple children in here, a couple infants, we may hear them calling out during the service. Um, Calling out, usually you can't, people that call out, you don't play by the rules. There's never been an infant that's like, oh, I need something. I'll wait till after the service. I'll wait till they start singing the loud part of the hymn before I call out asking for help, right? They call out. And I've never known a baby that only calls out like once or so, You know, like they, they're not like, all right, I called out three times. They know I'm here. So unless they answer me, that's a one parent demerit. Like that's, that's not what kids do. Kids are constantly calling out. Call, whether it's, and let me, let me use this language and hear the spirit of what I'm saying. Whether a kid is going through a little tragedy, like they can't get their toy to work. Or they're going through a heavier tragedy. We don't delight in a kid going through a tragedy. But oh, how our hearts respond to a small voice that cries out to us. Amen? That small voice that cries out will turn our hearts. I believe we're made in the image of God and I believe that God's heart responds when His children call upon Him. And sometimes we, we act like we're not children and we say, alright God, I've, I've called. We approach the throne of God at, with an attitude of saying, I've already called out. And so now I'll just sit here quietly and wait. 
Call out. God, I'm going to call out to you. I want to call out to the Lord day and night. I want to call out to the Lord even in my dreams. Oh, how the heart responds when it hears a small voice. It's pleasing to God's heart when we call out to him. Um, so let's, let's call out to the Lord. I'm going to pray again. Pray with me. Lord God, we, we want to call out to you. We want to call out to you. We want to, we want to, we want to call out to you. There is sin that is running rampant in our community and in our world. Things aren't as they were meant to be. It's easy on a day like today. That'll be remembered in the history of our nation. To look at our world and bear witness that things aren't as they were meant to be. And God, there's not a single one of us that's worthy. And before we call out on behalf of the world, not being made as it should be, not being made right with you, we call out for ourselves that we want to be made right with you. Come, Holy Spirit, and bring us deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen. Mm. 90, verse 91, or chapter 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place. Can we put that up? Thanks, Dill. Can we give it up for Dylan in the back that runs the computer? Yeah. Old Dill. If you see him, give him a fist bump. He that dwelleth in the secret place. You know, I think Jesus was I think Jesus was on to something. I think that it's easier to say, Lord, Lord, than it is to make Jesus the master of your life. Like when we, when we say Lord in, in the Bible, when it says Lord, most of the time that word translates to the same word as master. You are my master. And Jesus is giving commentary in Matthew chapter 7 where he's saying many, many people will look to me and say, Lord, my master. But what they're saying and what they're doing is at odds. It's easier to say, Lord, the Lord is my refuge and my fortress and I fully trust him than it is to actually vacate where your heart resides and find a new home in God's fortress. It's something we struggle with. And I was having, I was having lunch with a, with a good friend of mine. He's a good friend. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Our families have known each other. And he is very critical of the church. 
and of organized religion. He's very, very critical. And the other day we were we were talking, and I said, well, would you be available to have lunch? And just, I'd love to hear what irritates you. And it was a good lunch. It was because, to kind of summarize one of the main points that he was making to me, Churches tend to be full of people that say amen to one thing and then do another thing. I was like, yeah, you're right. And he was sitting there and and I kind of, but in the back of my mind, I was smiling because I'm sitting here going, your criticism of the bride of Christ, the church, is a criticism that Christ himself shares. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but go and do something else? Why do you say you are the master of my life? But I am the master of my life. It doesn't, it, it, something is not correlating. And so I like, I like definitions. I like words. Um, and so I went to the Google and I typed in um, define dwelleth, and it didn't work, so I just said dwell. And, um, and it, the definition I got was to live in or at a specific location. That one was kind of, I wasn't surprised, but I thought it was worth trying, you know. And then I looked up to abide. Because every time I've read this verse, and every time I'm talking about abiding in the shadow of the Almighty, we abide under His wing, like stuff like that, I always think of it as the word abide is talking about where I am. But as I began to read it, I began to realize that it seems kind of redundant to say, he that dwells in the secret place, so he that lives in the secret place uh, also lives in the shadow. I was thinking that's like why didn't you say he that dwelleth in the secret also is in the shadow. Like it was weird to me. So I I was like what's the meaning behind this? And so I looked up to abide and I looked it up in the Hebrew that it was written and this is the definition. There's a couple. To accept or act in accordance with as in to abide by someone's rules. And in the Hebrew, specifically, it said to remain. To abide in Hebrew meant to remain. But the context of to remain was remain for multiple nights. And it's kind of like when you go over to a friend's house, you abide by the rules of that family, right? You came over to my house, and we don't do this, but this is a hypothetical. And let's just say we vacuumed every day. And y'all all come over to the house, and next to the front door you see a bunch of shoes. Like we went over, my wife and I, we went over to the Zafki's house the other day, and I didn't realize it until I was leaving. They had all their shoes by the front door. And as I was leaving, I was like, I'm wearing shoes. My wife isn't wearing shoes. None of the kids are wearing shoes. I was like, oh, man. 
I realized I didn't take my shoes off, but they were too polite to be like, hey, Spencer, will you please take your shoes off, right? Their rules of their house is when you walk through the front door, hey, as a family, hey, take your shoes off. We don't want to have to vacuum every day. I don't know if they vacuum every day or not, but their house was very clean. But when you go over to someone's house, you abide by their rules, right? And so the word abide, to accept or act in accordance with, or to remain in a place and abide by the rules of the master. He that dwelleth, he that lives in the secret place of the Most High, shall abide, shall live in accordance with the shadow of the Almighty. And I realize that this, is, this verse is talking about authority. Whose authority do you live under? And is there conflict between what you say and what you do? If we go back to the gospel and we look in Luke 18, we see Jesus talking and he's teaching and he's approached by, a, a, it says he's approached by a religious leader. This is a church man. This is a, this is a Sunday school class leader. This is a small group leader. This is someone that has taken on the responsibility of other people's faith to nurture and grow them. And he approaches Jesus to ask a question and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looks at the man and says, why do you call me good? And then he answers the question, but why do you call me good? People will say, Lord, Lord, but they won't go into the kingdom because what they say and what they do are two different things. The the good teacher, why do you call me good? Because there's nobody good except God. And in you saying good teacher, you're making a claim about the identity of Jesus. And so if Jesus is who you're saying he is, then why don't you do what he says? Why don't you abide by his rules, by his laws, by his teachings? Good teacher. Lord, Lord. Master. And in the same way that Jesus said, why do you call me good? I, I just wonder if there's been times in my life when I've, I've been saying one thing, but I'm doing another. And if I could have just listened, I would hear God saying, why do you call me that? Why do you call me that? In verse 2 it says, I will say of the Lord, he is my fortress, in him I trust. But we're prone to to say that and then act like uh, the fortress doesn't have a king. Hmm. Or we say, we say the Lord is my fortress, but we act like it's a small fortress. Because, oh, how quickly our abiding in the fortress turns into gossip because we're anxious. 
How often does my trust in the Lord suddenly turn into mongering for influence? And there's a huge discrepancy suddenly between what I'm saying and what I'm doing. I believe we're made in the image of God. And in the same way that when a kid cries out and it turns our heart, I believe that when we, being children of God, cry out to God, I believe his heart responds to the crying out of children. And us being made in his image, God has a secret place for us to dwell in. And being made in his image, I believe that we within ourselves have a secret place. Some, I think it's a difficult thing to articulate. But are you with me on this? That we have a secret place within us, within our hearts. And the question that God was asking me and asking of us this morning is, what have you given refuge to in your secret place? What have we given refuge to within the secret place in our heart? I think that when there's a discrepancy between what we say and what we do, it's linked to what we give refuge to in our hearts. And at first it might seem like you're giving giving refuge to something that you have control of. It's relatively harmless. But then it will quickly, before you know it, turn into something that originally your fortress, your secret place in your heart, the walls were to keep things out because what we have here is something special, a secret, hidden, intimate place. And it turns into the opposite where you're trying to keep something in it because what will happen if they find out what's in my heart? And so we're left going, and so I think we're left going all the way back around to the to the, the beginning of like, what do we do? I think that we call out to the Lord. But there's this, there's a way, I think we're going to do it differently and we're going to sing a song here in a second that is a prayer written about this about abiding in the Lord and wanting to know the Lord more, um, to call out to the Lord. And so, like, this is how, this is a great metaphor. It's by Francis Chan about lordship. And it's talking about, like, uh, you drive your car, and your car is your life, and you're going, you're going in a direction, and you decide to pick up Jesus. So you pull over, you get out of your car, you're like, Jesus, good teacher, Lord, Lord, my master, I'm here. Get in the car with me. Jesus, follow me. And you walk around, and you open the trunk, and you're like, Jesus, I said the prayer. 
Thank you, Jesus. Now get in the trunk while I drive my car. And we've illusioned ourselves that Jesus actually gets in the trunk. And then we drive down the road. For some of it, for some of us, it's a very short drive. And some of us somehow feel as if we get down the road a little bit. But we have a flat tire. Oh, I got a flat tire. Pull over on the side of the road. Has anybody had to change a flat tire by themselves? Yep. It's a lot easier with someone else there. So I get out of the car. I go and I open the trunk. Jesus. Lord, Lord. Change my flat tire. We must disillusion ourselves with the idea that Jesus is going to climb into your trunk. Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. And he refuses to share the secret place in your heart with anything else. The only way that Jesus will get into your car is if you say, this car now belongs to you. Here's the title. You get everything that's in the car. All the, all the stuff, even the, even the wrappers, even the gum that fell between the seats. The whole thing belongs to you now, Jesus. Sign the title over. Here's the keys. I want to go where you're going. And I want to meet who you're meeting. And I want to see what you're going to see. And I want to pick up along the way the people that you're going to pick up along the way. Because you are my Lord. You are my good teacher. You are my master. And I want to abide in you. And so we're going to sing a song. We're going to, we're going to pray and, and sing a song. Um, and the, the court, part of the chorus part goes, I want to know you. I want to see your face. I want to touch you. I want to hear your voice. I'm going to let you all in on a secret about why us contemporary worship leaders like to sing the same thing over and over. It's much like a child crying out. In the same way that none of us would look at a child that's crying out, we might out of frustration go, oh my gosh, it's 4 a.m. Baby, you've been crying all night. But we still are okay with the child crying out. Oh, how it pleases a heart to hear still voice. We're going to sing this song and we're going to cry out. And I'm, I warn you, we're going to sing this a couple times. But, but listen, especially you old folks. <laughs> we've, we've heard the, that story you tell over and over and over. <laughs> And we don't mind. 
I've heard my grandpa, if you, some of y'all know my grandpa's name's Wayne. I love hearing the story over and over. I'll listen to the story about him and my grandmother met every time. I delight in hearing it. And I believe that when we cry out to the Lord over and over, it's to his delight. If you don't like repeating the same chorus over and over, then heaven's going to be difficult. Because some people have already started shouting, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's sing. Oh
that I might receive the prize. Pressing onward, pushing every hindrance aside, out of my way, oh, I want